Thank you for listening to Life Church Lithia. At Life Church, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Gio Munoz. I want to share with you guys today a little bit about what God did in Mexico, not just to glorify what God's doing in Mexico, but because God is a global God. He doesn't favor Mexico. He doesn't favor Africa. He doesn't favor certain parts of the world. What he's looking for are hungry hearts. What he's looking for are people who would believe everything that this book says about him. Every word. The parts that we like and the parts that we don't like. That we would lean into him and that we would understand that he is Lord. And he is Lord above all names, above all sickness, above all lack. That he really is as good as the songs we sing. We say it every week. There's got to be a conviction in your heart. So when we went to Mexico, we just knew that God was going to do something. So the first night we got there, we were at what they call a noche de fuego, a night of fire. And they do these nights and then they put, the, you know, the faces of all the white people around, all around the town. And they think it's amazing that the gringos have come to, to Mexico to preach the gospel. And there we were, the gringos. And I was just blown away, man, by hundreds of people in a room. It was hot. I mean, it was hot. It was hot. Yet there were hundreds of people piled into a room. And there was such an expectation. Have you ever been? This happens in our church often. There's such an expectancy in the room that it's almost electric. Because your expectancy, it changes the atmosphere. Whether you realize it or not, your willingness to come into a building, expecting God to do something, it is, it is like an aroma unto him. It's what he's looking for. How do I know? Because the Bible, Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith? Now, expectancy is the fuel of faith. It is coming into a room expecting that he's going to do something. With the thought, it's just a matter of time. Even though I can't see it, even though I don't understand it, it's coming. Why? Because Romans 8, 28 says, he works all things together for those who love him. That even though there seems to be many paths, that we know that all paths will align unto one. And we get to walk that path. We get to walk where he walks. He makes he goes and he makes the paths that seem impossible to go through and he makes a way where there seems to be none. This is the God whom you serve. And so there we were in the Noche de Fuego and they're just starting to worship. And they were, I mean, the band was going so hard, everything blew. I mean, all the power went out. Now, I've been in services where all the power have gone out in America and <laughs> I'm not hating on America, I've just been there. And immediately the power goes out and people are like, well, crap, I should go home, man, everything's... The presence of God has left. This did not happen. I mean, I, rec I was so blown away, I recorded it. As the music faded away and the lights turned off and there was no big hurrah, they started singing a song. And the song said, come Lord, as you said you would, pour out your glory. Pour out. And it was hundreds of people to the chorus. Come Lord. I mean, if you could have felt it. If you would have felt it in the room, my waters better stop banging. And so you know that you're in a room full of people that have come, many from the mountains, from all over Mexico, because they heard that there was a group of people that were coming that believed. And so there we are, right? And we're worshiping. And I preached the gospel. What did I preach on? Jesus is what I preach every week. Because he is the gospel. Jesus is perfect theology. You want to know what God is about? Study the life of Jesus. And so there we are and we're preaching and we go hard and we give the call. And people come forward and we're touching and there's people everywhere. 
Again, if you know me and you've been here long times, I'm not impressed by people falling. It doesn't impress me. I want to see people walking in love, people walking in obedience, people walking in self-discipline. You can fall, but, but, but at the same time, I expect you to get up differently. Nobody's impressed by the falling. So we, we go to service on Sunday, and when I'm there, I'm preaching, and I notice that midway through the service, this young girl walks in. And she was there on Friday night, I know, because I had prayed for her. And she was wrecked. I mean, she was crying. It was uncontrollable, and I could feel the fire on her life. Because the Bible says that when you give your life to Jesus, he will baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. It's not one or another. It is and both. Both and. And so I feel the, the presence of God on this woman. Furthermore, I saw during worship that Jesus was walking around the room. Oh, my gosh. I saw him walking across. You think this is crazy. Listen, in the New Testament, when Jesus died, he walked among the people. The disciples saw him. And he promised that he would bring the comforter and he would come. But that comforter would do nothing but lead you to him. It is the only job of the Holy Spirit to lead you to the Father. And once you, to lead you to the Son. And once you get to the Son, the, the Bible says none get to the Father except through me. It means that when you get to Jesus, he reveals the Father. Huh? So he's walking around the room and this girl's there. And she, she we, we do the service and she was touched again. And then after the service, she says, I have to tell you something. I traveled from hours away on a little convy. You don't even want to know what that is. It's a bus with like 500,000 people that fit 15. And they ride through the mountain. And she says, I have to tell you what the Lord did. She came all the way from the mountains to tell the testimony of what God had done. She said, when I walked into the service yesterday, I walked into that service with, with a disease. She said, my disease, she even categorized it, was something I had been carrying my whole life. It was a part of who I was. And what she had was her knees were inverted. When she would walk, her feet would go in and her knees, uh, Lord, help me. I feel the Lord so strong. Her knees were inverted. And she said, when I walked into the service, I didn't even ask her. You understand when you live for a condition for so long, sometimes you just stop asking because you get tired of it. It's just true. She said, as you were praying, I did not pray. I didn't say, come forward if you want healing. I simply said, if you want more of Jesus, because Jesus is healing. We don't say, come if you want to be healed from depression. We say, come if you want Jesus, because Jesus is hope. I simply said, there is an invitation to come, and if you want him, come. And she came. And as we were walking through and praying for people, our team, you can literally feel the presence of the Lord as he walks from side to side of the room. And she said, as you, we were praying, she said, I felt fire come on my body. And I did not know, what was, this is how good he is. you got to understand, she was not even asking for this. It's as if the Lord just blew on her life and she said, everything that I am, I give to you because I am wholeness. She says, as they were praying, I felt my bones shift. She said, I heard them. You don't believe me? Ask Rachel. She was there. I like that we brought somebody because sometimes you think, pastor's lying. This is truth. I have a witness. 
She said, I felt something come over my body and my bones shifted outwards. And for the first time in my life, she said, watch. And she walked and took steps. Because this is the God whom we serve. He is the God who touches, who restores, who heals. He is real and he wants to walk among his people. I love I loved that. But you know what I love even more? A couple of days later, we were at a service. And in the service, another pastor was with us, an amazing pastor. Pastor Crane was preaching. And he was talking about receiving from the Lord and how the Lord has everything. Very similar message. And, and when I was there, I saw this kid. And sometimes when, when I'm about to minister to people, it's as if the people, I'm just being honest, it's, like, it's almost as if they're shining. Like I see them, but it's like they just look different. And I know I'm supposed to go pray for that person. It's just how the Lord does it for me. And so I see this kid, and this, this was the least approachable person in all of the building. I mean, he looks so angry, man. He looks so angry. Understand to me, this to me is more powerful than even the healing the other day. I walk up to the kid, and I say, hey, man, what can I do for you? He says, nothing. I said, you're right, bro. I can't do anything for you. What can Jesus do for you? I started praying for him. He said nothing. He just put his head down. This was a kid who looked like he had been in the street, all kinds of problems. And I said, hey, listen, man, as I started praying, I felt that the Lord, I felt the anger on your life. I felt as if you've been carrying this load and this anger and this resentment, and it has literally ruined your life. It doesn't let you sleep. It doesn't let you eat. It has consumed. You literally feel as if you are anger. He looks at me, and his face, just hard. You ever mess with my eyes? It's just hard. I said, I believe the Lord wants to touch your heart today. And he wants to change you if you will allow him. He says, I can't. I said, yes, you can. But you have to choose. So as I began to pray, I said, I know exactly because the Lord spoke to me. He said, it's his father. I said, listen, the Lord wants you to forgive your father. Because whether you realize it or not, or whether he deserves it or not, you are chained to him. He begins to weep. He says, I can't. He's physically abused me. He's verbally abused me. He's left me. To me, he's dead. I began to pray, and I said, Lord, just soften his heart. And he begins to weep. And you see, you see the hardness. You see the hardness of his face just begin to wear. And I felt the presence of the Lord come on him. You ever see somebody that you begin to pray for them? I pray with, like, fingers. I, I'm, I'm anti, like, pushing. <laughs> I think if you have to push to do it, it isn't real. The Lord can knock you down with this as much as he can with this. So I begin to, I'm touching him on his head, and he begins to go like this. And you feel the presence of the Lord, and he begins to weep. I asked him, I said, are you ready to forgive now with snot? I mean, blood. <laughs> see? You know, Yes. Now walk him through forgiveness, right? I kid you not. This to me is more powerful than the bones. Because a lot of times we magnify physical what we can see, but people are more dead in their heart. I would say to you that little girl had more hope in her heart than this little kid. And he brought his face up, and it was literally another person. And he hugged me. Oh, man. And I said, what a coincidence. Not what a coincidence. I said, but what a God. 
that he would send me all the way from Florida to be here on a Monday night to minister to your heart, to let you know that he loves you and you do not have to carry that weight, to let you know that you can be free from everything that you feel is weighing you down. Furthermore, I felt the Lord tell me to tell him, the Lord will never stop chasing you. <laughs> he just looked at me like I was crazy. I said, you can run wherever you want, but he'll send them from China. He'll send them from Africa. He said, the Lord will never stop chasing you because he loves you. He said, I believe it. He said, that's because it's true. And we look at these stories, right, and we can look at them and say, man, that is awesome. What an amazing experience in Mexico that you had. But the reality I need you to see and I want you to see and I hope that you see is the same God that is in Africa, the same spirit that is in me is in you. And a lot of times we talk about revival. Listen, I got to a point in my life where the word revival literally made my stomach want to vomit. You hear me talk about revival and we contend for revival, but I just don't always see revival the same way everybody else does. The more I walk with Jesus and the more I believe with him and the more I hold hands with him, I realize that it is not, I'm not impressed by the moving and the shaking and the throwing and the, and the jumping and the screaming. I've seen people who have walked with God for a season in their life and then they separate themselves from God and they still snatch people up out of wheelchairs. We would look at that person and we would say, that is God. But I would say to you, the Bible says, the gifting and callings of God are irrevocable. That you can, be, you can be doing God's work and still yet not know him. It's why in the Bible it says in the last times people will say, did we not prophesy? Did we not do in your name? And Jesus will say, I did not know you. Because to know him is to walk with him. And to walk with him is to have heart change. It's to allow him into the innermost beings of who you are and to realize that he is truth. He is all truth. I was in Mexico and I was reading about when Jesus was being betrayed. And you see about when he takes whips on his back. And we see the, you know, you've seen the passion of Christ and you see how bad it is. But the truth is it was way worse. It was way worse. And it still makes you cringe. And I read as Jesus walks and they have him on trial and he stands before Pilate. And Pilate says, they say you are the king of the Jews. Are you the king? And he says, I've done only what my father has sent me to do. And then Pilate, Pilate looks at him and he says, tell me what is truth. And you see Jesus just stand. He says nothing. Because what more is truth than Jesus personified? There are no words to explain. He simply was standing there with his back beat for our afflictions, for our iniquities, on the way to the cross. And there he stands as a man mangled but still king saying, without words, I am truth. Do you feel the Lord? When you encounter this truth, when you encounter this man, it changes you. And it allows you, it gives you new identity. Where you realize that revival is no longer about people falling down or about prophesying or about demons being cast out. That happens in the midst of revival. But it's hard for me to quantify. Sometimes it's hard to explain what I'm believing the Lord for. 
because I get around these circles of people who are believing God for nothing more than goosebumps. Ah, listen, a lot of stuff, if Jesus came today and he preached a lot of stuff that is preached in pulpits, he would have never been crucified. Because a lot of what is said today is lip service. It's for making us feel good. For giving us the right song for the right emotion, for the right atmosphere. But what happens when revival really hits and it goes beyond the song? Ah. Where an awakening happens in our souls where you realize that God is more interested in healthy family than he is about people falling. When God is more interested in people who would not be worried about being seen, but would be the same people in their homes than they are in front of the crowd. Where they allow God to do a work in their hearts, where they realize that they are interested in more in building up children that would serve God all the days of their life. You know how I know true revival hasn't hit America yet? Because there's people who, they give lip service to God, uh, but they're still not even pastoring their homes. True revival happens from the inside out. It is a realization that, yeah, you have issues, and yeah, there are problems, but what if they had nothing to do with you? What if God was not impressed by your limitations? What if God was simply looking for someone who would yield themselves to the presence It would say, listen, I believe that what I need more than anything are the words from him. Matthew 4, 4, man does not live by bread alone, but they live. This is how you get life. Hear this. Man does not live by bread alone, by the natural, but he lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is a present tense verb. This wasn't just the things that proceeded because that's what this is. It's not just the things that are to come, but every single day I must receive fresh word, fresh life, fresh revelation, and it is available. And when you receive that word, it will change the way you walk. It will give you a new boldness. It's what allowed a little kid in 1 Samuel 17 to stand in the midst of a giant. It's why he was able to walk in the situation and instead of seeing it from man's perspective, he saw it from heaven's perspective. There were many there who were trained. They were qualified to fight the giant. They could have even taken him as a group, but they all stood in fear of what they saw in the natural. But here comes David and he sees injustice. Come on, man, your spirit needs to wake up. He saw something that didn't belong. Jesus, disciples say to Jesus, teach us how to pray. He said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I start my prayer by magnifying him because what I behold becomes, what I behold I become. So as I behold him, it changes my perspective. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This was the beginning of how he taught his disciples to pray. What does that mean? As I walk about earth, my job is to see. And if there's something on earth that is not in heaven, it is my job to eradicate the work of the devil. Because the devil... I'm going to come down here so you can wake up. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
That means my job is to bring restoration, to bring life, to bring freedom to those who have been robbed. So David walks in the midst of a bunch of people and he sees Goliath and he says, that is injustice. And you know the story, man. He stands in front of the giant and not only does he stand, but he prophesies what's about to happen because your words have life. And that day he says, you stand from the God of the Philistines, but I stand from the Lord of the he Lord heaven's armies. And he prophesies and, and he slays the giant. And many would say, man, I want to be a giant killer. I want to slay the giant. I want to be that. But what they fail to realize is that David, uh, he received his identity in the wilderness. He had been anointed by the king and he knew that he was called to be something greater, yet he still went out and he still tended the sheep. What the people didn't see was the bear and the lion that he slayed when nobody else was watching. What they didn't see was the hours of him singing praises to God, where he worshiped him and he magnified him. It's where he said, let his praises be continually on my lips. I would submit to you, bro, you wanna kill some giants, you better learn to kill some lions and some bears in the secret place. You better learn to hide yourself in his presence and realize that one day there will come a moment, if you are faithful, where you will stand eye to eye with a giant. And it will be the lesson you learned in the secret place where nobody was watching that will propel you. How do I know that he had learned this? Listen, because when he was getting ready for battle, Saul came and he said, listen, I got a better idea. Why don't you put on my armor? Why don't you take my sword? But David said, that's not the way I'm going to do it. Because I know who I am. I know the God whom I serve. Are you alive? This is what it takes. This is what it looks like to receive new identity. To walk in courage. To walk in boldness. To walk in new life. It's the same courage and the same boldness that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. I, I feel the Lord so strong. I don't even know if I'm supposed to pray for you right now. When there was a king who had an amazing idea that he was going to build a monument unto himself. It's the same thing that happens in the world today. All that you see in the world today happening is people building monuments unto themselves. Not only did he build a monument unto himself, but he says everybody will worship this monument. And this monument will bring you life. What do you mean to bring you life? Well, if you didn't bow to it, then it brought you death. And there's instruments playing and all of a sudden you see the people bowing. But there's three people in the midst of the thousands of people that refuse to bow because they understood that what's inside of me cannot worship that. This is what it looks like to receive identity. Where you separate yourselves from things of the world. Because Paul says, I run the race with perseverance. With endurance. Why? Because he knew there were going to be a lot of people that begin the race but never finish it. Lots of people I used to run with, bro, who were passionate for God, I would say even more passionate for God for me, are not even serving the Lord anymore. Because if you do not yoke yourself to him, you yoke yourself to the world. Either way, you're yoked. Thousands of people bowing down, but there's three. Nebuchadnezzar gets word of the three that were standing. He says, bring them to me. And they were given an ultimatum. Same ultimatum we're given. If you work better, you know, if you work more, then you have a better job, then you'll have a happier life. If not, then you'll do this. 
The world is all about black and white ultimatums, but the Lord gives you a different way. He provides a new path. And so if you know the story, Nebuchadnezzar says his face became distorted because there was some kind of demon inside of him. And they're thrown into a fire. And when they look into the fire, there are not three, but there are four people in the fire. And not a thread on them was burned. Why? Because when he truly burned for the Lord, and when you allow his fire to baptize you and touch you, what is on the inside of you burned harder, brighter than what is on the outside, you cannot be touched. It is the same reason why people come up to you, you're going to go to Mexico? Have you not seen the news? I'm not impressed by the news. You're going to go to the brothel? And there's going to be Sicario there? Yes! Because it is in the darkest places where his light shines the brightest. And so you begin to serve the Lord and your mentality changes where you say, the Lord is with me. But even if he does it, oh, that's what they said. Throw me in the fire, bro. I'm never going to worship you. And he will save me. But even if he does it, I want you to know I still won't serve you. How does that translate into today? Man, I'll go to the red zones. I'll go to the Sicarios. I'll go to the hitmen. And the Lord will be with me. But even if he doesn't, I want you to know I will not serve fear. It's no different. It's the same devil with the same tactics where he's looking for people that would bow down. You say, well, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is following the Lord. <laughs> oh, gosh. So the last night, we were there. I spoke, and I, I spoke this message, and I want to speak it today. I got it bookmarked with a piece of gum. And it's in Ezekiel 37. I don't know if I've shared this here or not. I've shared a lot of things different places, but this is where I'm going to land. So are you ready? Ezekiel 37. It said, the, look, the Lord took hold of me. Who did he take hold of? Ezekiel. And I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Can be translated to a valley filled with death. He led me among and around the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and they were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? I want you to see this in the natural, but I want you to understand it in the spirit. Because I believe in the last day, if we're going to see everything that God promised, the spirit of God falling on all flesh, people prophesying, dreaming dreams, it's going to take us having the capacity to look at dead things and believing that they could have life again. I'm talking about dreams. I'm talking about passions. I'm talking about bank accounts. I'm talking about marriages. Where we have the capacity where the spirit of the Lord literally picks us up and it puts us in an impossible situation, but we're seated in heavenly places with Christ, and we are able to see it from a different perspective. It's what happened to Ezekiel. The Spirit of the Lord raised him up, and he put him right in the middle of an impossible situation. And then he asked him an impossible question. I know what you see. There's bones with no life, but do you believe? Oh, this is Old Testament, bro. Do you believe that these bones can live again? 
He said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer. It's not an answer full of faith. <laughs> well, I guess you would know, bro. You let me know. If you're going to breathe on it, then maybe. But if you're not going to breathe on it, they're probably not going to wake up. It's the geo version. Oh, Lord, only you know. It's a safe answer. It's not full of faith, but it's not full of doubt. Right in the middle. Right in the middle. Then he said to him, uh, then he said to him, speak a prophetic message to these word bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Ah, that's why you need Matthew 4.4. Because if you don't know the word of the Lord, you can never prophesy life. Look, I'm going to put breath in you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know, ah, then you will know that I am the Lord. He said, you want to see these dry bones live again? You begin to prophesy to those bones. You begin to prophesy to that impossibility. You receive from me words that are life, and then you prophesy, and that's exactly what happened. He heard the word of the Lord. He held on to the word of the Lord. He prophesied to those bones, and then there was a rumbling. Ah, it was almost like the same rumbling that was in Acts 2. When the ground began to shake because there was a group of people in one mind, in one accord, that were believing the word of the Lord, that they said that I will, you will be endued with power, and that power will cause you to live life like Jesus. The bones began to rumble because of the words of a man, Ezekiel, who believed in faith. But there was still not life in them. You understand? There are times in our lives where we begin to prophesy to situations and we see a measure of life. Listen to me, man. We see a measure of life, so we let off. Instead of contending and believing, I'm not talking about striving, I'm talking about seeing it to the end. He spoke to the bones and there, and there was muscles, flesh on them. He said suddenly there was a rattling each of the bodies came together and they attached themselves to skeletons. I watched as muscles and flesh formed over the bones. The skin formed. And he said, speak a prophetic word to the winds. Uh, and he spoke to the winds. And the wind of God, it blew into the people and suddenly a mighty army rose. I said it in New Mexico and I'll say it here, man. I really, really feel my spirit. I'm a pastor, man, but I'm not trying to build the church. I'm trying to build an army. You don't believe me, stick around. Because just because we go to Mexico doesn't mean that we're not going to go to dark places in Tampa. It's more than about meeting. You, you want to quantify the fruit of, of revival? Let me read it to you. This is the fruit of revival. The Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2, right? It fell, I would say that's revival. When the Holy Spirit really falls, it's not like, hey, revival's going to happen on August 26th and we're going to have four amazing speakers and it is revival. This is not revival. Doesn't mean it's revival because we put it on a logo. Hundreds of people, one mind, one accord, the Spirit falls and you have to ask yourself, well, how do we know it's true revival? What is the fruit? Many came to the Lord and were saved. Thousands were added to them every single day. But in Acts 4 it says this. Acts 4.32, mark it, highlight it, because this is what happens when the Spirit of the Lord really falls. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one, claimed any that, no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. 
but they shared everything that they had. With great power, that power word is dunamis. It means that there was a display of power. It wasn't like amazing speaking that gave you tinglys. It means that they preached, and what they preached was confirmed by miracles, signs, and wonders. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord. How did they testify? They told about what he had done. That's what we did today. He healed the sick. He healed the sick heart. That is testifying of what the Lord has done. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons. Say that with me. There were no needy persons. When true revival hits, compassion begins to flood our hearts. Where we cannot walk past the sick, where we cannot walk past the broken, where we don't consider our possessions our own, where everything that we have, it is the Lord's. Furthermore, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is what will happen when revival really hit. The presence of the Lord came and it changed hearts where they were in one mind. There was no dissension among the people. They were all unified on one mission, and that was what? To make the Lord, the name of the Lord Jesus lifted high. To let the people know, hey, Jesus is alive! And you are free from sin. Not one day. Now. If you have to wait until you die to be free from sin, then Jesus is not your Savior. Death is. But because of what he did on the cross, you get to live life free from sin and in boldness, in courage, and in faith. How? You come into his presence and you say, Lord, touch thee again. It's what's happening to people in this room already. I can see it. So why don't you close your eyes right now? Yes. Lord, come. Come like you did. Oh, wow. Come like you did in Ezekiel 37. Oh, wow. Lord, you see our lives like dry bones, people who are suffering with all kinds of different things, Lord. But you have the breath, God. But you have the breath that brings life. So, Lord, today I ask that you would breathe on your people. That today, Lord, in the next few minutes, that you would just come in power. But I pray for you today that you would have a fresh touch. Whether that looks like encouragement, whether that looks like power, whether that looks like confirmation. Why don't you stand to your feet right now? All around the room.